This show is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network. Look right down any crowded hall. You'll see there's a beauty standing. Is she really everywhere or a reflection? One always calls out to you. The other's shy and quiet. Could there be two different girls who look the same at Sweet Valley, Sweet Valley High? Sweet Valley, Sweet Valley High? Welcome to Pi Beta Alpha, the podcast in which we explore the strange and terrifying world of Sweet Valley High, book. Oh, episode by episode. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Ada Carey. I'm Karen Moynihan. <laughs> and this week we may still be dazed and confused after the hot weather, but we are back with mixed doubles. Yes, uh, a less uh, exciting episode title, uh, at least, mm. whatever about the content. But, uh, but it turns out to be relevant to some of the plot. So, you know, that's always nice too. Yeah, and I mean, there was no tennis girl. You might have thought there would be with, uh, mm. with a title like that, which, as Karen says, is relevant to the plot. But um, can you share the blurb to give the Pi Beta Alpha sisters a little taste of what's to come? <laughs> you know, we love the flavour of the of the Wikipedia entry about it. So here we go. Uh, <laughs> when Bruce falls for the Brazilian exchange student, he and Jessica start dating to make her jealous. However... <laughs> She develops she may be interested in him, meaning Jessica, in that absolutely strangled (laughs) sentence. But does he feel the same way? (gasps) Well, we won't spoil anything, listeners, but uh, there's, I mean, I thought we might be getting the whole plane with fire dance extravaganza, but Mm. sadly, no. Not quite, uh, no. But we do get quite a lot of action. We do. Again, I mean, even if your expectations are low for an episode, there's always something that just pops up and uh, <laughs> and causes all kinds of delight. <laughs> Indeed. Well, we begin in Sweet Valley High itself with a little clueless homage. Oh, as... like homage or straight up rip off? <laughs> I mean, straight up rip off, really. But <laughs> Lila and Jessica are chatting on their flip phones as they approach each other um, through the halls of Sweet Valley High. And when they finally meet each other at the lockers, Jessica has uh, is revealing that she needs to come up with a plan for the cheerleading retreat. <laughs> Retreat, no less. Sure. <laughs> um, and she really has to because, you know, there's going to be consequences if she can't deliver. Yeah, apparently if she doesn't come up with something good for this uh, retreat weekend, she's off the squad. <gasps> well, Lila doesn't know why she's being asked because she says magnificently that the thought of being in a room with all that pep makes her want to gag. <laughs> Me too, Lila. <laughs> she's wonderful. <laughs> um. And uh, as well as not uh, not being enticed by the prospect of a, of a cheerleading retreat, Lila rightly says, though it's you know not what you really want want to hear at this point, that <laughs> Jessica shouldn't have waited two days before the retreat to start planning. Uh, but Jessica feels that you know she was she did everything she could. Yeah, as as Jess puts it, you know, she she offered to help. Uh, they didn't have to take her up on it. And it's actually pretty rude that they did, really, all told. So uh, that's, that's Jessica's way of looking at things. <laughs> well, next, they <laughs> have the next locker. <laughs> a sexy bombshell called Isabel, who one might think is a Santa Doran exchange student. <laughs> so, so wambling is her accent. And so unrelated um, to any accent heard in nature. <laughs> <laughs> she transcends both borders and reason and any kind of sensical <laughs> accent work whatsoever. <laughs> well, she says that in Brazil, they save all celebrations till Carnival, where they dance till they fall on the ground and they sleep for nine days. Jessica's like, that's a, well, that's a fat lot of good, that is. But then Isabel says, 
<laughs> as you say in the Valley of Sweetness, whatever. Oh my god. Strikes the pose. She's hilarious. And also, and you know, again, it does that thing where it's like, oh, a foreign student, quick, throw some stupid music over every single scene they're in. Because every time Isabel shows up on camera, there's just this like background samba music. It's it's a bit like uh, Manuelo's uh, pre-programmed beats. It's from, actually, uh, yeah, he's there in it with a Casio somewhere around the corner, probably <laughs> <laughs> making the most of his, his Casio beats. <laughs> so um, two Bruce, two smarms up and says, "Oh, if it isn't our delightful foreign exchange student," and looks at Lila Jessica and says, "And others." And uh, he's got a proposition for Isabel. Yeah, he he wants to invite her out on his yacht, or his family's yacht at least, uh, at the weekend. But um, Isabel is a little confused by this. She's like, what is this yacht? Uh, And then Bruce, his explanation of a yacht I found very confusing because he explains it as, you know, when people wait on you hand and foot and you don't even have to be nice to them. And I was like, how does that have anything to do with it's a boat? I know. I found that very unhelpful, but I guess she speaks something like his language because Isabel is like, oh, a jazz. And apparently that was sufficient explanation for her to understand what he meant. But I... I was more confused more than anything else. I mean, me too. Uh, Like, (laughs) as you say, mention the boat part is... uh, Also, I mean, Brazilian listeners or Portuguese listeners or just Portuguese-speaking listeners, is a Josh the Portuguese for Josh? I suspect it is not, given how she pronounces some other words over the course of this episode. There's not even an attempt at a Brazilian accent. No, that accent just wanders all over the place. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Jessica says um, she'd be happy to take Bruce's Bruce's yacht off his hands uh, if he feels like giving it to the cheerleaders for their retreat. And Bruce says, let me think about it. No. And Isabel rather hilariously says, oh, you make a joke, but you do not amuse me. (laughs) Then she scrubs (laughs) off. I, I must say, I like as as kind of ridiculous as a, of a character as she is. I did quite enjoy Isabel. Um, Me too. Also, because she also kind of seems like she's dancing the entire time. Like <laughs> even when she's standing still, there's still kind of a little hip wiggle or something going on. She's never actually fully like stationary. There's always kind of some little bit of a bop in the shoulders or something going on, which I just find extremely entertaining. <laughs> I mean, she's uh, she's just dancing to that internal samba beat the whole time. That seems to be the Brazilian... It's not even a Brazilian stereotype. I don't even know what it is. Um, no. <laughs> just a weird Brazilian connection that they've come up with. Uh, so uh, Jessica suggests that, uh, you know, he could impress Isabel with his generosity by giving the cheerleaders the yacht. But Bruce thinks that Isabel is playing hard to get. And uh, then Lila has a brainwave. Yeah, apparently Lila has the the real scoop uh, on this whole situation and reveals that apparently the Brazilian bombshell is only interested uh, in a guy when she can steal him off another girl. (gasps) So she suggests that Jessica can pretend to be Bruce's girl to entice Isabel to to steal him away because I guess he'll suddenly be forbidden fruit. And uh, she's a... gives them a whole spiel where she says like Bruce needs a girl and has a yacht you're a girl and you need the yacht you do the math and then she says no let me do the math my 10% commission (laughs) Lila is in fine form in this episode it's so good (laughs) well Jessica doesn't like this scheme no she says that she (laughs) as a rule apparently never dates anyone who looks in the mirror more than she does so Mm. Well, two Bruce two says that it's that's fine with him because she doesn't have what it takes to make Isabel jealous, and of course this works on Jessica because she's like seriously she's so easily manipulated like so many of the people in Sweet Valley, and she makes her scheming face, but we don't get quite the old school scheme theme. No, it seems like the jingle has been left in season one, unfortunately. 
Mm. Well, we cut to the moon beach where Edith's not in a good mood because she tried out for the football team, I mean the soccer team, and it mm. didn't go well. No, she's there with um, Cheryl and Liz and they're kind of trying to reassure her that it couldn't have been as bad as she's making it out to be. But uh, Enid is insisting whatever girl she was up against was apparently built like a bulldozer, which doesn't really lend itself as a build to to like soccer rather than Amer- no. like, if it was American football. Then, yeah, sure, you probably do need a bit of sturdiness to you, but like not with football <laughs> like, <No>. or soccer. <laughs> I mean, to be honest, it's kind of a, like, you know, you're, you're it's, it's not a game of um of of it's not a contact sport in that sense. No, like you're not, not at all barging into people. But uh anyway, apparently she's this uh this powerhouse um put Enid uh in the Haveny place. <laughs> and uh, she says that she's uh she's useless. She can't even warm the bench and the others are like, oh come on. She's like, no, seriously, I fell off it. <laughs> and, <laughs> and then she then she nearly sprayed Cheryl and Liz uh, with a pool ball. Oh God, yeah, that actually looked properly dangerous. This yeah, ball uh, from the pool table literally just goes flying at Liz and Cheryl's heads and poor Enid is like, see, I can't do anything. Um, but yeah, they've really got Enid as this really like suddenly kind of accident prone, clumsy mm. dits in this episode. Yeah. And they do kind of do that where they'll suddenly make Jessica an absolute bimbo or they'll suddenly do this to Enid's character. And it is a bit, they do flip flop around the place, I feel like with people's characters more so in this season. But um yeah, that's uh, that's, that's Enid's buzz for for this little episode, anyway. <laughs> I mean, I, I think it was a bit. I I didn't love this this subplot. I love uh, mm. you know we we do love authentic nineties teen Enid, and she is mm. dressed in uh, later in this episode. Anyway, she's wearing some very authentic ringer mm. tees. But yes. Um, yes, I don't know this uh, this. This plot line didn't do it for me. Um, and like when Cheryl tries to boost Enid by saying, you know, you're in the marching band, aren't you? She wa- Enid reveals that she was because she swallowed the reed of her instrument and then a tuba player fell on top of her where she tried to give herself the Heimlich maneuver. Uh, so she really is cursed. So Liz has an idea to try and boost Enid's uh, self-esteem. Yeah, she offers that uh, or suggests that Enid should come work with her uh, at the Oracle. Um, but mm. Enid kind of insists that she doesn't know anything about the school paper. But then Cheryl chimes in and says, well, you know, neither did I. But I I think Liz needed help with the photo essay or something. Yeah. And Cheryl helped her out. And as part of the team there. They kind of convince her to to give it a shot. So Enid agrees to, uh, to ha- have a go at least, but does warn them that, uh, you know, you did ask for it now. Just remember. <laughs> mm, famous last words. Mm. Well, we cut to the Casa del Wakefield where uh, Lila is in full lawyer mode. She's going through a, a very elaborate contract for Jessica and Bruce which stipulates that Jessica will get the use of the yacht Bruce's phone and a cabana boy at the country club <laughs> it's amazing like Lila has gone full like lawyer mode here she's gone not legally blonde but maybe legally red because uh, oh. she's uh, she's got her she's got glasses on her hair is up in buns and she has a scarf uh, thrown over her shoulder she's all business and it's so funny like it, it does just open with her kind of striding into the kitchen with yeah. all like Mr. Patman do you understand that Ms. Wakefield and her guests have the use of your yacht for the entire weekend and kind of goes on and on like this and it's so good but yeah the, uh, the contract does seem extremely one-sided well Bruce asks what he gets out of it after hearing all of Jessica's perks and is told that Jessica will be seen uh, with him in front of Isabel on no more than four occasions and uh, (laughs) only when it suits Jessica. (laughs) Bruce somehow agrees to this and says, this better be worth it, Wakefield. And Jessica cries, anchors away. And then Lila says she has to run because her commission money is uh, drawing her west. Nine west, that is, she says. And with a chow, uh, she heads off. She's cast, but also like, how is there any commission money involved here? Like, no one's actually making money off this deal. So how is Lila getting yes. paid? Ten like, percent <laughs> of what? But you know, also more fool me trying to find logic in <laughs> in a Sweet Valley subplot. <laughs> I mean, really, you think we know by now? Mm. <laughs> Well, Liz enters and uh, Jessica's in fine form and realizes that uh, she's, but now she's, she just has to send uh, out the invitations to the other cheerleaders and the yacht crew will do all the rest. So she basically her, her work is, her organizing work is, is minimal. She doesn't have to, you know, think mm. about food or, um, 
already party planning. Uh, so Bruce suggests that uh, now the contract has been signed, they head to the moon beach because he's heard that Isabel's uh, there that evening. But Jessica says, no, the contract starts at midnight and she'll be <laughs> tucked up in bed getting her beauty sleep by then. And she just boots Bruce out the door. I'll tell you, this thing is ironclad. Lila wasn't messing around. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Bruce doesn't even argue. No, it's clear there's no point trying to argue. It's like you've signed it. So these are the terms. <laughs> well, Jessica uh, explains the deal to to Liz and uh, Liz is, uh, is not impressed by this, uh, by doing a, uh, a deal with the devil that is two Bruce too. <laughs> she does. Yeah, she tries to warn Jess or kind of says, you know, isn't this all a little dangerous? Uh, and Jessica, misunderstanding her, says, oh, I'll wear a life vest because she's just thinking about the yacht, of course. But uh, but Liz clarifies that she means, you know, obviously not the yacht. She says, I mean, you and Bruce, you can barely stand each other. But Jess uh, insists that it's nothing she can't handle. Well, we cut to the Oracle office. I guess it's the next day. And uh, Liz hands Edith a camera and that and says that um, she needs her to finish up that roll of film, the mm. olden days, uh, with some <laughs> shots of the pep rally. And Edith is somehow intimidated by the camera, which looks like a really ordinary camera to me. She says that it's not like her photojournalist Barbie Instamatic. <laughs> Um, but uh, Cheryl offers to teach her but it looks like Eden's a lost cause oh god well even even when it comes to her actually pulling up a chair to sit down and, and get a little uh, primer on taking photos she kind of pulls a chair from a guy who's about to sit down in the background so he ends up on the ground uh, but this is kind of like very much a little background gag then goes to take a photo with the camera but whatever button she presses it somehow inexplicably makes the roll of film fall out from uh, from underneath the camera so the whole lot is banjacks now and there goes all the film of course it's uh I mean it's it's just the the professionalism we we've learned to uh, to expect from Enid and <laughs> uh Liz lies and says oh um you know it's fine it's fine uh need I just needed you know I didn't really want to use those photos anyway uh I just need to you know that's a good excuse not to use them now that you've literally <laughs> destroyed all the film and Enid offers to get more film and uh, runs over towards the door of the dark room even though the light is on so Liz manages to stop her in time and uh says you know she did enough work for today but when Enid goes Liz hopes that uh you know, Edith will basically pull herself together or um, or at least leave the Oracle and stuff causing chaos. <laughs> well, we cut to the school, uh, another part of the school, I guess, where two Bruce too has an arm full of, uh, of, of flowers and Jessica wearing a very uh, flamboyant leopard print collar on her <laughs> sleeveless top. It's a very odd garment. He tells her to hand them over uh, <laughs> so she can just make her escape. But to Rousseau says, no, Isabel, no, Yosh. No. So, yeah, he's, you know, <laughs> the contract may say one thing, but at the same time, you know, he's got his own terms. But uh, mm. yeah, so he's, he's not handing over the flowers until Isabel turns up. Uh, mm. And then he's like, oh, here she comes. So cue the <laughs> Samba music. <laughs> So Bruce makes a big show of handing over the flowers to Jessica and going on about how great she looks today and all the rest. And uh, yeah, Isabel comes up and she's very kind of nonchalant at her locker. She's like, oh, hello, Jessica. Hello, Billy. Oh, ouch. And I did love that from her. I know. But also, Jessica sounds pretty Germanic. I mean, like Portuguese listeners, help us out here. If it was pronounced, this, I don't know if it's... Je- they don't pronounce uh, thinking of Jose Marino like he's not Jose Mm, oh well Jose Marino they do say Jose but then I don't know is that just people not pronouncing it, it properly. Like Jose, like, like a yeah, Spanish. but I suppose it's Portuguese rather than Spanish, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, that's true. Okay, oh, Portuguese listeners, well, let we us don't know. know what we're talking about. And you know, Once we're accent, accent experts. <laughs> It's true. <laughs> uh, listeners, let us know. Are we maligning Isabel's accent here? Um, <laughs> when, I mean, it is quite wandering, it has to be said. But um, anyway, she, he, two Bruce two says that Isabel looks ravishing, but not as jo- drop dead gorgeous as his Jessica. And Isabel says, as they say, the love is just blind. <laughs> and she struts <laughs> off. 
<laughs> she's great. Yeah, Jessica's most unimpressed by this and just gives a very deadpan, what? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, she's also annoyed because as part of the, you know, show they were putting on for... Um, for Isabel, Bruce put his arm around her and he's like, it's not like I enjoyed it. And then says, she's dismissed for now, but she demands the keys of one Bruce one. Yeah, uh, he's like, oh, not a chance. But he kind of tosses the keys up in the air, obviously to catch them again, but Jess swipes them from midair and she's like, read the contract. <laughs> <laughs> that contract really, I mean... Two Bruce two, you I don't think I don't think one Bruce one would have fallen for this. Do you know he would have read the fucking contract all the way through <laughs> and come in with his own little annotations and amendments with his own lawyer probably. He'd have had Manny in a pair of glasses on the other side <laughs> negotiating. <laughs> Yeah, like Manny these days is like Winston, despite the fact that he was practically bullying Winston in the first few episodes mm. of season one, Manny seems to be Winston's pal now. And I mean, you know, I like both of them, so I'm oh, fine true. with that. Yeah. But, but two Bruce <laughs> too doesn't really have even a, an entourage. No, he's got no buddy. Hmm. Oh. Maybe they'll change that. I don't, are they going to write him out in they, favor they, they, of they Shred? Get... Oh, God, that's true. <laughs> I was going to say they replace him, but you know, like this is the replaced Bruce. And then, yeah, and then you're right. They get rid of them all together and oh. Shred comes into play. <laughs> Shred had got retconned in the Pathan saga. Oh, oh yes, we've got a baby. And, and there was just another baby. My, my brother had one. <laughs> oh, by the way, Reginald Shred Patman is on the scene. Okay. <laughs> if you say so, lads. <laughs> Well, uh, we cut to the Oracle where Liz, uh, wearing a more early than mid-90s long flowery skirt, asks Enid in an authentic rigger tea how the school calendar is going. She's putting it together for the Oracle. And um, Enid says she's on top of it. The chess club has been postponed. There's a pep rally in the gym. But it turns out she's not really paying too much attention to it. That's it, because yeah, Liz and Cheryl are kind of firing all these little changes uh, to the the events calendar at Enid, and she's like, "Yep, you got it. Yeah, no problem." And then eventually, she reveals right after I win one more game of Donkey Kong. Ah, oh, Enid, come on! I know, but it actually, this is kind of consistent because when she was uh, going camping with Liz and Cheryl back along way earlier in the episode, remember she wanted to go to some other like happy bunny campsite, and she's like, "They've got arcade games. I want to play Donkey oh. Kong." <laughs> That's true. So she okay. does have an established love of Donkey Kong, which I appreciate. <laughs> okay. Fair. I, I appreciate that consistency too. But, you know, it, it is still very unprofessional, Naveen, at all the same. Mm. Well, Liz persuades her to postpone the game till after work. And Edith's like, oh, yes, yes, that sounds like a good idea. But not for the sake of working. She feels it will sort of help her, you know, on, for her own personal development. Um, so she settles, sort of, sets uh, sets herself on her on her task but of course she gets things wrong and we cut to an appalled Jessica uh, <laughs> and some other cheerleaders emerging from a door labelled Jim saying <laughs> cheering for nerds someone will pay for this <laughs> yes because hilariously the chess club ended up in the gym instead of the pep rally <laughs> which was mistakenly oh, oh, cancelled oh. so yeah so I do I do quite enjoy the, the just the idea of, of the cheerleaders cheering for a chess club though I would have liked to see that <laughs> I, me too I can't believe they went through with it as well which I, I fully appreciate that <laughs> yeah. they're dedicated they will cheer for anything <laughs> and then a nerd rushes out of the doors <laughs> saying please don't go we're just about to use the Karpov defence so sadly the cheerleaders aren't there to cheer on their <laughs> their chess uh, mastery but uh, there's a there's some more uh, sporting contests uh, going on at the tennis court where we cut to Jessica snarking away at two Bruce two because he's not showing his skills on the court yeah uh, that's it yeah so she's there and they are playing mixed doubles it's uh, it's her and two Bruce mm -hmm. two and Lila and some unnamed guy Uh <laughs> So, yes, she's given out to Bruce saying that he's 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 not good enough out on the court. And she's like, this is the ball. This is the racket. Use them. and being very snarky with them. But uh, oh. Bruce reveals that he's saving his best stuff for Isabel. Well, a behatted Lila <laughs> says that he'd better pull out his skills now because uh, Isabel is here. And uh, two Bruce two cries, stand back, Agassiz, Sampras, Becker, Pat. 
Jacqueline has arrived. And I thought we were going to get a tennis montage, but sadly we we do. No, we do get a little bit of back and forth of the play, but yeah, it's not it's not enough to to count as a montage by any stretch. Um, But yeah, while they're doing all this, Isabel has settled onto a sun lounger in her bikini because I guess it's probably like the country club tennis court I guess I would it say. has to be yeah if there's kind of like, like people lounging in swimwear you'd imagine that's probably what the vibe is <laughs> yeah it does have sun loungers and stuff so mm. I think it is uh it has to be some sort of country club it's not just like the school tennis courts it's got a sort of a uh <laughs> a socializing vibe mm. um so yeah they're uh they play tennis with Lila and some randomer who just yeah. brought in a, a, a no lines extra um, and they, they get a bit of a rally going but then 2 Bruce 2 goes for a shot and he falls right on top of Jessica and there's a little bit of a spark there there is and like it would be more like Jessica normally to be like oh get off me but they're all giggly yeah. and it is kind of cute uh, and it mm. does catch Isabel's attention um, so Bruce kind of asks Jess if she's okay and Jess kind of laughs and says oh I think my bracelet broke my fall um, and then Lila kind of scurries over and says don't look now but your Brazil nut keeps peeking out from under her giant sun hat <laughs> your little Brazil nut which is oh, that's it. <laughs> oh, she's great she says that the hat proves that this proves Brazil is a year behind in fashion headwear harsh Lila harsh I mean your hat's no great shakes Lila um <laughs> So two Bruce two decides he's got to you know put on a show and he asks if his hot partner would like some cool iced tea and Jessica plays along in front of Isabel who as you say is like clearly you know this is uh, you know piqued her interest mm. but even after Isabel uh, is like they've walked past Isabel two Bruce two continues the the flattery. He does, yeah. He kind of asks Jessica um, how she's so good at tennis. He was like, you know, you were really great out there. And Jess is like, yeah, okay, you can drop the act. She can't hear us. Uh, but Bruce is like, no, really, like I really had fun out there. And then Jess kind of admits that she did too. So there is kind of like a hmm. a softening between them, which is not kind of nice. Yeah, she says it wasn't the worst time she's ever had. She's <laughs> which is a raging, me. raging compliment from from <laughs> Jessica Wakefield. <laughs> Well, we cut to school the next day where Two Bruce Two approaches Jessica with uh, with a gift. And she says, oh, well, shouldn't you wait until Isabel appears, um, you know, so uh, I can open it in front of her. But he says, it's a real gift to replace the bracelet he broke on the court. Yeah, so she opens it and it is this lovely sparkly bracelet. And then Bruce says, you know, and it's silver because I know you said that gold clashes with your hair. And Jess is really impressed. She's like, oh, my God, you you really listened to me. Um, That's so nice. And she is kind of she's being won over by him for sure. But and it does look like he's being very kind of nice to her, too, and that there might be something there. But then, of course, at the the behind Jessica, further down the hallway, two Bruce two does spot Isabel. So I guess the the samba music is quietly coming around the corner to follow her, and uh, so he sees his opportunity and kisses Jessica. But of course, at this stage, she thinks it's for real because she doesn't know mm. Isabel is behind her. Uh, whereas Bruce is playing the game here, and yeah, and it feels kind of lousy uh, because yeah. then Jess is like after the kiss, she's like, oh, that was so, and Bruce kind of goes perfect uh because you know of course as far as he's concerned this is really selling the whole line out to isabel and Mm. jess still oblivious goes oh i'm so glad you feel the same way and my notes just (gasps) go oh no jess (laughs) oh i know she's love struck like it's uh and two bruce two was just smirking away in fairness i guess he did think that she was still you know she was just yeah playing along with the whole in case um, uh, yeah in case anybody was watching or something but yeah yeah unfortunately not (laughs) Well, the next day, Jessica is, Liz is, is shocked to see Jessica is up up and about uh, very early in the morning. She's dressed, dressed in a grey checked uh, A-line miniskirt, which is very of its time. I had one back then. And Lila's <laughs> surpri- or Liz is, is surprised, but um, Jessica says she can't help being excited because her business deal has paid off. Yeah, she says it's all going even better than she thought it would uh, and that Bruce is really different when you get to know him. Uh, And Liz is very, of course, suspicious of this development and she's just like, Mm. okay. But she says, you know, I'm I'm sure you know what you're doing. And then as she's walking out, she's like, who said that? Did I say that? (laughs) Because, of course, it's not the kind of thing she would normally say to her twin. (laughs) 
No, and rightly so. Hmm. Well, we cush to the Oracle office where Enid gives Liz and Cheryl an unsolicited piece. I mean, for fuck's sake, Enid, <laughs> like, never do that. Don't. Don't write unless you've been commissioned. It's going to be a wait, total waste of your time. And, uh, <laughs> and in this case, she's reviewed the new eating establishment in Sweet Valley, the Empty Trough. What a fucking awful name <laughs> for a restaurant. Good God. <laughs> Nothing says a fine dining like a place with the word trough in the title. Oh. Jesus, he'd been better off at Bun Doggies for sure. <laughs> yes, why don't you just review Bun Doggies? <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, uh, they're like, okay, that's that's great, but but what's this? Because Edith's enclosed a receipt for a hundred and twenty-six dollars. Oh Jesus! Yeah, she said. Oh, I thought you'd probably want that receipt. Uh, I took the money from Petty Cash. I wanted to be thorough, so I tried everything on the menu. And of course, Liz and Cheryl are horrified at all of this. And uh, then Enid reveals that she doesn't recommend the crab chimichangas or the German chocolate cake. What? Crab chimichangas? So, oh. um, well, <laughs> they, uh, they they cost uh, 126 And um, no wonder she's feeling queasy, though. I mean, if, the whole, if you can eat the entire menu for 126 it's probably quite cheap. If it was a normal meal for one person, that's incredible uh, <laughs> and very expensive. But if it's the whole menu, that's pretty cheap. Like every single Maybe thing it's a very it. small menu. Maybe there's like <laughs> literally like a tasting two, menu. Two, two desserts, chimichangas and some other seafood thing probably. <laughs> oh, <laughs> and God, all, yeah. And then all you can eat slops from the trough. <laughs> very appetizing. <laughs> So Edith, unsurprisingly, after this combo, is feeling sick. And uh, Cheryl says she didn't know they had a petty cash tin. And Liz says they don't. This was the money for the new printer. No. And uh, Liz, uh, Edith sort of trotted off at this stage. So Liz doesn't know what to do. And Cheryl says, well, you better do something or there won't be an oracle next week. Mm. <laughs> so... A love-struck Jessica is greeted by her partner in crime, Two Bruce Two, and uh, he's got an invitation for her. Yeah, he wants to take her out to dinner that night at her favourite restaurant. So, of course, Jess is like, oh, wonderful, it's a date. And she's like, oh, to think Liz tried to talk me out of this whole contract thing. And Bruce is like, I know, this is the best thing that's ever happened to me. And then reveals that uh, Isabel wants her to uh, wants him to teach her how to play tennis. He's got her in the palm of his hand, apparently. And he couldn't have done it without Jessica. So he wants to thank her with dinner. So I have to say, in, I can't believe I'm defending Tumors too. But in fairness <laughs> to him, he thinks that him and Jessica are on the same page. Like True. He, is, he, he clearly, you know, he is actually grateful to her and he doesn't think he's messing her around. No. So um, she's upset and he's like, oh, is everything all right? Um, but she sort of covers, uh, covers her emotion and pretends that she's allergic to his cheap cologne. <laughs> you know, that that jibe would get to the uh, the the status conscious to Bruce do. <laughs> that would do it. <laughs> well, a worried Liz greets Enid in the Oracle office and says, look, we need to talk. And uh, Enid says they need to talk too because she's caused chaos yet again. Oh, Jesus. Yeah, Enid straight away is like, oh, it, it, this is about the butterscotch, isn't it? Uh, and Liz is like, oh, God, what? Uh, and Liz, or Enid kind of shows her a keyboard she'd been working on that is completely caked in butterscotch sauce. Mm -hmm. She's like, you know, most of the keys work. You know, the, the K doesn't, but the C makes the same sound. So it's OK, isn't it? Um, but then, of course, she's like, oh, God, I'm just a disaster at everything. Everything I touch goes wrong. And like, <laughs> as she's kind of walking off, she kind of pulls out a cable of somebody's computer as she's kind of walking off. So some, it kind of cuts to some guy just losing power at his computer. So I hope he saved whatever he was working on because that shit's gone. Oh, I know. <laughs> Especially back then. Mm -hmm. Like, there's no auto-save going on. No. A file recovery. Mm -mm. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and so it's just some random extra who we see for like a split second. Yeah. <laughs> He just has Which to put his head good. in his hands and that's a wrap on that guy. <laughs> I mean, that's that's the sort of extra work that uh, that we see a lot of. Like with the tennis guy earlier who just got to look slightly frustrated on the tennis court for one minute. So, uh, <laughs> uh, so yes, Edith has caused chaos yet again, but um, Liz can't bear because she's a bit of a coward to tell her, look, I don't think this is working out. So she says she wants to promote her and uh, she sees that Enid is conveniently holding a giant book of crosswords uh, to games editor. 
And Edith says, but the Oracle has no has no games or puzzles. And Edith says, that's because ne- they uh, they need an editor. So Edith is delighted. And again, like the characterization of Edith in this episode is just so gormless that it, uh, I think it, it just pushes it too far for me. Yeah, I really wasn't sold on this either. Because like, you know, like we are mad about Enid as a character. And this just kind of felt like a bit of a disservice to her, really. Yes. Well, we cut to the tennis court where Isabel is delighted uh, because she uh, she clearly thinks that she's stolen two Bruce two away from, <laughs> quote, Jessica. And uh, two Bruce two says, well, she's because she says something like, oh, I hope Jessica won't mind you playing with me. And two B <laughs> says, uh, well, we won't tell Jessica. And so they're playing with Lila and her randomer. Like, why aren't they just playing against each other? <laughs> I don't know. Well, it's mixed doubles. It's it's in the contract. Oh, true, true. <laughs> but yeah, Lila is hilarious because she's really she's like really annoyed with Isabel like immediately, and she's just like, "It's your serve, Isabel." Um, so also Isabel is wearing an extremely impractical dress uh, for tennis, and is also wearing oh a giant God. sun hat again. But uh, yeah, it's and heels. Oh, she's like completely not dressed for this whatsoever. Uh, but it is kind of hilarious how grumpy Lila is about the whole situation. <laughs> I do love her her general vibe in this. Um, so uh, yeah, uh, she 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 tells uh, Isabel that it's her serve, and Isabel asks Two Bruce Two to serve for her. And I thought we were going to get a, a tennis montage because we get the Casio keyboard samba music, but <laughs> it doesn't sadly doesn't go far enough. No, um, every time every time they get a rally going or someone like serves the tennis ball, I'm like, okay, here we go. Here's the te- yeah. here it comes. I, any minute now, tennis montage. It's coming. <laughs> I can feel it, and it never fucking happened. No, it's whipped off again. Yeah. But so uh, yeah, she doesn't even try to hit the ball. It says, but I was here, and the ball it was over there. And uh, angry and uh, kind of racist, Lila says, in our country, we have a little thing called running. Oh, you're an American now. And um, <laughs> Isabel says, to run would make her perspire. So unfeminine. How lucky you are, Lila, not to be concerned with such matters. <laughs> and then we get some more samba tennis, but not enough to have a full montage. <laughs> no, but again, like even though Isabel is meant to be just standing still, she's still just dancing a tiny bit I feel like <laughs> just slightly bumping that hip it's great <laughs> just shimmying just shimmying yeah. constantly great. she just can't stand still she has to be dancing at all times <laughs> <laughs> so uh, yeah eventually uh, two, we see that two Bruce Sue is just doing all the work on this uh, hmm. in this match and eventually they stumble and he falls on Isabel like he did with Jessica but it's, and he thinks there's going to be like a little uh little uh, free song there but mm-hmm. Isabel just says get off me you stupid American uh, take me shopping and <laughs> soon realises his dream girl is a nightmare oh my goodness yeah it is pretty funny though <laughs> it is so we cut to the Oracle office and Cheryl and Liz enter uh, and uh, they're greeted by Edith Oh God, yes, Enid is another surprise for them, another terrible surprise, uh, because the entire office has been all tidied up and uh, Cheryl's kind of like, oh God, the Oracle should not look this good uh, because there isn't a scrap of paper left in that place, <laughs> quite Uh-oh. terrifyingly. Uh, Enid, delighted with herself, is like, yeah, I like I reformatted all the computers, I cleaned out the bulletin board, threw out all the <gasps> sticky notes uh, and Cheryl kind of cuts her off. She's like, so you got rid of everything Liz needs to publish the Oracle basically <laughs> but um Enid uh, kind of either doesn't hear or pretends like she hasn't and kind of continues on and says also I got my crossword into today's edition and hands it uh, to Liz uh, who then is like it's filled in and Enid's like yeah I had to make sure it worked who knew pink pencil would show up in the printing so she's printed a uh, completed crossword as her, as her in her uh, role as games editor unfortunately <laughs> She has. And uh, this is just, you know, Cheryl says, okay, you know, Liz, you know, take deep breaths, count to 10. And Edith <laughs> says, well, my work is done. I'll see you tomorrow. And off she goes. And um, a worried Liz wonders how she, uh, she can, you know, 
somehow uh, kick Enid out of the Oracle without destroying her confidence. And she uh, she looks around, she's like, yeah, I think I can do it. And um, she always says, finally, you're thinking clearly. And she leaves and we see Liz sitting in the lonely Oracle office. And the next morning, Cheryl comes in and realises that Liz has been there all night. Oh God, yeah. It kind of shows a shot of Liz like sitting down in the tidy office and then kind of fades into like a more functional office where there are like papers all around the place and you know it's much more like it probably was before so yeah Cheryl comes in and she's like tell me you weren't here all night putting this place back in order uh, and then Liz is like well I'd love to but I never lie new policy <laughs> well she's got to uh, she's she's got to sort of take a final you know finally make a make a decision on on Enid um so uh, Edith comes in and Cheryl offers to stay with her uh, or to stay with Liz, you know, for moral support. But Liz says, this won't be pretty. Save yourself. <laughs> so Cheryl leaves and Liz approaches Edith, who's uh, wearing her trademark bigger boy hat, which we haven't seen in a while. Oh, see it. <laughs> she says, this is going to be easy. And Edith says, neither is this. She reveals some news. Yeah, she uh, she reveals that she apparently challenged the bulldozer uh, for her old spot on the soccer team and got it. Hmm. So, yeah, she's leaving the Oracle and uh, going back to the world of sports, which she cares so much about, as we <laughs> all know. Suddenly out of nowhere. <laughs> so Liz pretends to be upset and Edith's like, don't worry, you can do it on your own. And Liz says she'll try. And Edith says the most important thing is that they're still best friends. So Liz says she just, you know, thanks for making a difference to the Oracle. She sure did that. And they hug <laughs> and uh, then Liz bashes off the door on the way out because I guess Edith's clumsiness is catching. No, no, she passed on the curse. <laughs> Uh-oh. And as they leave, Edith says, weren't you wearing those clothes yesterday? But uh, we know Liz isn't going to reveal that Edith made her do it all nighter. So we cut to another corridor where two Bruce two approaches Jessica, who's wearing a very slinky polyester shirt with a cardigan over it, which I have to say is pretty mid nineties, um, with a very quite harshly slicked back hair. Oh, the hair was so harsh. I yeah, I didn't care for this look because we know Jess likes a fancy updo every now and again, but this did, just felt very severe or something, didn't mm, it? Very severe. So uh, 2Bruce2 two two said he heard that she and her cheerleading squad had a blast on his yacht and he uh, he asks her out for that dinner, um, you know, that they that he mentioned, the thank you dinner. But she mm. says the contract is fulfilled and he got Isabel, uh, so he should be thrilled. But 2Bruce2 uh, two two, uh, surprises her with his next words. Yeah, he says, you know, this isn't about the contract or Isabel and that he just wants to see her uh, that night. But... um. Yeah, Jess is kind of, uh, I suppose she's on the defensive and kind of she's been hurt already. So she's not really going to give in to this kind of um, mm. these nice words that, uh, that that he's given her. So she's just like, no, not a chance, Patman. Uh, and again, to save face, she's just like, look, if you thought this was anything other than business, you're flattering yourself. You and me actually dating as if. Uh, yeah, I'm not sure I really get this ending then because no. uh, <laughs> he's like, oh, suit yourself and struts off. And then he says, and another thing, Patman. And then there's a pause and he turns around and he's like, yeah. And she goes, thanks for the bracelet. And she smiles in a sort of sincere way. And yeah. that's the end of the episode. It was very confusing, wasn't <laughs> it? Was, it's like, is she yeah. mad at him? No, she's not mad at him. But then why don't you just go on the date if you do like him? Yeah. And it seems like he might like you too now because he's realised Isabel is a pain in the hoop. But like, yeah. nope. <laughs> We're just ending on a weird freeze frame. <laughs> well, that was Mixed Doubles, listeners. Um, <laughs> do let us know what you thought of it. I mean, was there... Was 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 Isabel actually doing a very authentic Brazilian <laughs> accent that we just didn't recognise? You know, I kind of doubt it. But I, I will say, though, that, you know, that first outfit that we see Isabel in, the kind of, it's like this very, um... She's, is it's it like the a red blue... and white striped t-shirt? No. She wears an amazing red and white she striped does. t-shirt. She, her yeah, outfits are page. great, uh, which are. is something I really liked about her. But no, I, that, that red, and, red and white stripey one is also great. But uh, the very first outfit we see her in is like this blue kind of sleeveless, belted kind of, nearly like a, it's like a blazer with no sleeves, but it's kind of belted and it's bright blue. Um, oh, yeah. 
And for some reason, I don't know what it is. And I think just the look of that actress, I felt like she would have made a really good Regina based on the cover book Regina. Do you know, I was getting that kind of the long, flowy, dark hair and just that kind of preppy sort of blue top that she was wearing was very, I thought, like Regina on the covers uh, of the books. And I felt like she could have done a really good, a really good... uh, yeah, Regina oh, ruled. But there you go. Well, Presumably she's not actually Brazilian, and that's not actually that actress's accent, which I highly doubt. I very much doubt that. <laughs> and uh, and we remember we did hear from from Amy who plays uh, who plays Enid that Regina was originally going to be in it. That's true. Yeah, Amy originally yeah was auditioning for the role of Regina, which was extremely exciting to learn. But obviously, yeah, they they didn't follow through on that in the end. But just oh. yeah, just the look of that actress, just that shot of her in that blue top, I was just like, God, she would have been a great Regina. <laughs> she would. I mean, she has. She's got the like. It's Regina coloring as well. Like that's just- the thing, and it's the kind of yeah rich girl kind of look. But yeah, I just that was definitely the vibe I got from her until she started speaking and all the samba music kicked in. I was like, oh, OK, we're going in a completely yeah. different direction here. <laughs> constantly dancing. Just constantly bopping. I did love that about her. <laughs> well, Pi Beta Alpha sisters, let us know what you thought. We always love hearing from you. And uh, of course, you can contact us at SVH Podcast. Yeah, you can send us an email at svhpodcast at gmail.com. And of course, we are on Instagram at SVH Podcast, where you had lots of thoughts to share on the last <laughs> on the last one. Um, Katie Longstreth said, I have come to think of these fever dream episodes like super editions, but for TV. And I, I yeah, get it. I, absolutely. I like that, definitely. That re- that totally works. Like, <laughs> yes, love that logic. <laughs> Vivian Shirley was inspired by uh, by this episode of the or last week's episode of the uh, of the TV series. Um, she said she she's scrolling through my variety of streaming platforms to find Bad Girls, one of my <gasps> favorite mid nineties films. That's exactly I, who they looked like. That's what it was, and I fucking loved Bad Girls. It's one of those movies I've been dying to watch again because I just I don't know if it holds up or if it's as good as I remember. <laughs> but I absolutely loved that film in the nineties. <laughs> And I remember it was kind of one of, you know, Drew Barrymore's kind of comeback films, mm, which, you know, right. how uh, saying something about her career tra- trajectory when she was like 19. Um, she was, um, she'd been through a lot at that stage. But uh, yeah, who else was in a Mary? Um, uh, Andy McDowell. Mary yes. Yeah. Uh, and uh, a lot of uh, Root and Toot and Cowboy hats. So it's <laughs> quite course. a look. Uh, Pippi and Shirley also wanted to see if the CTV archives still has the greatest Canadian TV export until Shit's Creek, the littlest hobo. And I am sorry, Canada. I have been crediting America with the littlest hobo for the last like 40 years. <gasps> Ill-gotten gains by America there. <laughs> oh, stealing the credit. Good Lord. Um so, uh, yeah, audio drama Pixie had some information about the Connect Four scene. Yeah, so it turns out the um, that whole line from um, from Two Bruce or Two Bruce Tuno uh, was a reference to an old ad for Connect Four, where like a brother and sister are playing, and the brother is astonished that his sister beat him by going diagonally, and he says, "Pretty sneaky, sis," which, like, again, completely went over my head at the time. <laughs> But actually, I have to say, when I read this comment, I remember that ad. They definitely aired it on this side of the Atlantic. Like, yeah, probably not it, as it became... often as they aired it there. But Maybe not. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I... Oh, God. Pippi uh, <laughs> and Shirley also pointed out that uh, Manuelo is the original Mose Eisley Cantina band. He's got one hit and he's going to play it. <laughs> that's so funny. I had the exact same thought uh, when I was watching it. I was like, oh, he's just like the Cantina band. <laughs> <laughs> so good. <laughs> he knows the hits and what the people want. <laughs> and they want that Zava beat. That's true. <laughs> Maria Teresa Biblioteca described this episode as epic. My life has been inevitably altered by Winston's rootin' tootin' vogan. How could it not be? <laughs> She was also hoping that we would provide some Irish expertise regarding the legitimacy of McWakefield as a surname. Uh, so we're glad we were able to do that for you, uh, Maria, because, uh, yeah, that was some uh, clumsy retconning, shall we say. Oh, um, 
So yes, you you all enjoyed last week's episode, and I guess it was inevitable that it couldn't uh, it couldn't be topped this week. Anything that happened this week was going to be slightly anticlimactic after the magnificence. <laughs> um, so uh, yes, uh, I mean, I hopefully we'll be back on forum next week. And in fairness to this episode, this week's episode, I did very much enjoy it. It's just it was a bit of a calm oh, down is, after well, look, the amazingness. It was always going to be hard to top like a full on root and tootin Western episode out of nowhere. <laughs> but like you know, if if you think about it, we did get lots of great bits in. The, like we had Lila in lawyer mode out of nowhere, getting ten percent of nothing, which was still <laughs> wonderful. <laughs> And the constantly dancing uh, Isabel, the Brazilian bombshell. So I, yeah. I enjoyed her a lot, I must say. But yeah, it's, it's a tough, it, the, the, the last episode was definitely going to be a tough act to follow, whatever was going to come next. True. Well, I'm looking at the blurb for next week and I've got uh, high hopes mixed with the confusion because mm. it, uh, part, part of it is Winston becomes Liz- Jessica's genie, genie <laughs> like a genie in a what? lamp, after she <laughs> saves his life. How? What? 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 <laughs> it's just. I'm actually intrigued about Same. you know what the hell this is going to mean. Is is this a case of something being run through Google Translate upside down and inside out four times over for, to get the word genie, or do they just mean like he, he has to run around and do her bidding? Maybe. I was going to say, is that maybe it's like a thing, like like the equivalent of a secret Santa? They have like a, <laughs> a genie, June genie, or something. <laughs> I mean, nothing would surprise me. Like, True. That, that's that's fully within the bounds of possibility. Hmm. Um, well, uh, Pi Beta Alpha Sisters, um, we will find out what this genie business is all about in two weeks. Uh, thank you so much for supporting us. We really, really appreciate every single one of you. And we're so glad you're enjoying our romp through this TV series because we are very much enjoying it ourselves. Oh God, so much more than we ever thought, really. I mean, even even though the uh, the the YouTube videos range from janky to not too bad, you know, it's still great fun either way. <laughs> and actually, we do have much to look forward to because there is an episode that's going to be sort of it's called "You Call This a Wonderful Life," which is an angel showing Elizabeth and Jessica what Sweet Valley would be like if they'd never been born. I mean, I'm hoping it's oh my God, Pottersville. Oh, oh Jesus. Um, <laughs> full on Back to the Future 2 when Hill Valley is in an absolute <laughs> state I can't wait <laughs> but after that we've also got Sam Enchanted Evening we're gonna see oh, Sam God Sam and then they really just start tearing the arse out of the, the word Sam in the titles using it as some don't they they just like <laughs> really go for it I feel like after that it's like Sam Enchanted Evening win Sam lose Sam Sam oh. kind of wonder. <laughs> Oh, so good. It's like, yes, they found a gag and they ran with it. <laughs> well, I'm glad we get to enjoy Sam in the screen because we won't get to enjoy him oh, on the page no. for much longer, his, listeners. His days are so definitively numbered. It's upsetting. <laughs> Three books left. Oh. And uh, and actually, because I have read the book uh, for, you know, for, for our next uh, proper uh, main feed episode. Mm. And he's not really in that. Oh dear. Like, I think he has like two sentences maybe in the whole thing. So oh. Sam fans, just make every moment count because there aren't <laughs> that many of them. <laughs> oh God, yeah, it's not looking good. So Pi Beta Alpha Sisters, we'll see you in the main feed next week when we find out what happens with Annie and Cheryl, uh, who of course we <gasps> now know from, from her sort of remixed uh, role as Tatiana um, <laughs> when they become stepsisters but we'll see you here in the Pi Beta Alpha Clubhouse uh, when we find out what happens when I guess Winston offers Jessica reading, writing, rescue? Who knows? <laughs> I mean <laughs> we'll find out in two weeks <laughs> see you then everybody thanks for listening Bye. This show is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network, a hub for the creative and the curious. Shows are produced in association with Headstuff and the Podcast Studios Dublin. Find out more or become a member at headstuffpodcasts.com.